we are all different. We have all had different experiences that have shaped us, that have made us have the anxieties that we have, that have made us trust people or not trust people, that have made us trust ourselves or not trust ourselves. Hey guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hi, welcome back. This is such a fun episode. I feel like we've been waiting so long to have this guest back and we cover topics that we've been talking about so much on our Instagram lately, like anxious attachment. Yes, we had Alana Dunn, the host of Seeing Other People, which is a podcast we both love. We have had her on in the past. We had her in 2021 when she was co-hosting Seeing Other People with her former co-host, Jonah. And now she's been hosting it on her own for, I think, over a year. And this was just such a fun, relatable conversation. Anybody listening is going to get something out of it because we talked about so many different topics having to do with dating. And we've had a lot of similar experiences, the three of us, that we were able Mm -hmm. to chat about. And it was just a lot of fun. I love Alana. She's like down to earth, very realistic about dating and gives great advice without really holding on to like harsh rules. So we talked about that too. Yeah. I love talking about that. We like really broke down dating rules. Like are what are dating rules? What's the purpose? How can they be helpful to you? But when should you kind of steer away from them? So I loved that. I love talking about just going from like anxious relationships, which I think we all probably can relate to throughout all of our years and app dating. And now she is in a very secure relationship for over a year. They are moving in together. So, so exciting for Alana and Jake. So yeah, it was just such a fun conversation and it just felt like chatting with friends. Yeah, that was the theme of the episode, how she used to be an anxious dater and now she's in a secure relationship. And like Mia said, Mia had similar situations in the past. And a lot of people listening, I'm sure have had the same. And whenever we post anything about attachment style, people are asking, how do we overcome this? How do we do this? And we have we have a ton of content on that that you can check out on our Instagram. If you go to our attachment highlight, it has all the posts we posted about attachment styles. But this was just a great real life story and scenario of how, yeah, sure, she had anxious dating tendencies, but we kind of broke down where they came from. And and the fact that then once she did start dating someone who was more secure, they started to go away. Of course, it wasn't a perfect path and like the most like Mm -hmm. seamless experience. But we talked about that too. So that just made it even more relatable. Yeah. But before we get into it, we always like to talk about new things that we're trying. And I've been wanting to talk about this product for a few weeks. So in the past, if you've been listening to Mostly Balanced for a while, you know that I'm a huge fan of acupuncture and Mia loves it as well. We've gone together in the past. And one of the things that I love to do when I do acupuncture is get cupping as well. A lot of people know about cupping because of Michael Phelps. He put it on the map kind of when he had the cut marks during, I don't remember what year that was, but during the Summer Olympics. And... (laughs) And then people start, it kind of went mainstream. So I'm sure you've seen people on Instagram having those circular, sometimes heart-shaped cut marks on their back. And it's typically an add-on service when you get acupuncture that you can do. It's really all about pulling out the tension from your muscles and increasing your circulation, supporting detox. Basically, if you think about when you get a massage, how it kind of like pushes into your tissue to release the tension, this like lifts everything up instead. So it's it's really cool. I love the concept behind it. I love that when I get cupping in the studio, I can see like if my 
cupping marks are super dark, that usually means that that area is holding a lot of tension. So a lot of times when they put them on like my upper back or like around my neck and shoulders, those marks are like super, super dark because I know like all day I sit and my back just holds so much of that tension in it. But it's always like my favorite part of acupuncture. For some reason, I just love the feeling. If you listen to the episode where Mia talked about her experience, <laughs> she hated the feeling. <laughs> so it's Neat. not for everyone. But I recently, about a month ago, within they launched an at-home body cupping kit. So Within is an acupuncture studio in New York City. If you live in New York City and you're into the wellness scene, you've probably heard of them before. I feel like they kind of put again, like put acupuncture like on the map, like they kind of made it more mainstream. Their whole idea is to make it like approachable for everybody. It's a cute, like very Instagrammable studio. But what a lot of people might not know is that they also have like a ton of products on their online shop. So even if you don't live in the New York City area, you can utilize all of their different wellness tools and products. But this is a new product. It's their at-home body cupping kit. It comes in this like really cute travel case and it comes with eight silicone cups. So they're like soft and comfortable. Like I think Mia might actually like these ones because she didn't like the glass ones because she felt claustrophobic. Like you're in the studio, you're on your stomach someone puts them on you and then you like can't really move these ones like you put on yourself or you can have someone else put them on you if you want but they do the same exact thing so they pull out any tension they improve your circulation and they really just help your body detox you can use them on your legs you can use them on your back on your neck and I love it. I am able to do it anytime. I've noticed like because I've been using them more often that the marks that are usually super dark are not as dark anymore just because I'm getting that like more regular detox and circulation. So I'm a huge fan. Again, it comes in this cute traveling case. So it's one of those things that like I love to bring with me when I travel because it doesn't take up too much space, but it can help me keep up my wellness routine while I'm on the go, which I have been a lot lately. So just a huge fan. Definitely recommend. I'm going to put it the link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to order it, I highly, highly recommend checking it out. It's also not very expensive. It's $68. And they also have a kit that you can get that's the body cupping and the face cupping. So you can try them both if you want. But really, really cool product. I have not seen anybody make something like this before. And it made me wonder like why no one has yet. So I really, really love it. That's a great recommendation, especially for those that love cupping. Maybe I'll have to give it a try. I, I I didn't love cupping in the studio. I did not like the feeling. But yeah, always open to trying things again and always open to trying different brands. And that's a good recommendation, especially if you're like you, marathon training. So something like that where you need that recovery, at-home recovery for an affordable price if you don't have the luxury of going into a studio. So Great recommendation. Don't know that I'll try. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. I'll, I'll bring mine when we go to your bachelorette and you can see if you want to give it a try. Okay. That's a good. That's good. I'll get a little free trial. If you know me by now, you know I'm usually like recommending TV shows or healthy desserts because that is my vibe. Five nights a week after work, we love to cook dinner together and Dan and I usually get into a show and then we're binging. So first things first, this is absolutely not a hot take, but I've been watching Game of Thrones (laughs) and I watched it like a decade ago when it was on air and I watched maybe seasons one through four. But because the new prequel show is coming out soon, Dan is ready to watch that because he's a huge Game of Thrones fan. Actually, I don't know if I want to say huge because that makes me think (laughs) of people that like go to Comic-Con and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 
But he's he loves Game of Thrones. He's excited for the new one to come out. So I'm like, all right, I never finished the series. I don't get what all the hype's about. So uh, let's just watch it. Now I'm obsessed with it. I <laughs> highly recommend if you've never seen it or like never watched it straight through. Like it is definitely a show that's very bingeable because they are so many cliffhangers and just great storytelling. So that's been my that's been my new thing lately that I just cannot wait to get on the couch and watch Game of Thrones. But the product that I really do want to recommend and is maybe something that's like a little more um, an actual recommendation worth sharing on a podcast that's not a show that is the number one show in the world <laughs> is this healthy cookie dough. And I'm sure we've talked about it before because I know that Carly, you have had dough. So I am just reinforcing the recommendation that Dough is a healthy, good-for-you cookie dough. You can eat it raw. You can make it into cookies, but it is all healthy ingredients. There's also additives that are actually beneficial for you, like biotin and vitamins, but they're vegan. They're gluten-free. They have 25% less sugar than an average cookie dough, all clean ingredients. There's just nothing in there that is bad for you, and the flavors are amazing, and I am obsessed with cookie dough. There's I rarely make an actual cookie if I'm making cookies. I end up eating the dough all the time. So we were gifted three flavors and I'm obsessed with them. I'm almost done with them and I can't wait to try more because the flavors are unreal. So I have had the extra chocolate chip, which is like your standard chocolate chip cookie dough. I have the mint chocolate chunk and I love a mint, any mint flavor. So that is right up my alley. And the oopsie oatmeal, which does not have raisins. (laughs) (laughs) Have you tried them all? Yeah, I've tried them all. I cycle through them. Um, I have like a couple spoonfuls a night. So I'm usually trying multiple flavors on the couch. I have not made it into a cookie yet. So that's my next task. It took me a while to make them into a cookie. Yeah, because I just love the dough and it's safe to eat it as just dough. So highly recommend. They have cinnamon roll. They have birthday cake, brownie batter, peanut butter cup. Like every flavor just sounds better than the last. So I highly recommend if you love cookie dough, if you're looking for a healthy snack, if you too want to start watching Game of Thrones and treat yourself to a little treat, (laughs) look it up. It's spelled D-E-U-X. You can find on the website where you can shop the product in store or you can order it online. They also are selling a cute little gold spoon, which I think I accidentally threw out. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely in your box. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. That's my recommendation. I'm really enjoying them. And it's just a dessert you can feel good about eating every night. So we both got the same, we both got the same shipment. We both got those three flavors, but mine I had sent to my sister's house. So I just picked it up yesterday. So I haven't tried any of these flavors. They're all new flavors that I haven't tried. And I'm so curious about the mint one because I love like a mint chocolate. So I'm definitely going to eat that tonight. Enjoy. It's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then next week, we're going to do a full solo. So we'll keep this pretty short. Next week, we have so many fun things to talk about. I think we're going to primarily talk about imposter syndrome at work and in relationships, which we get so many questions on, especially last week when we posted some poll questions on it. So I'm excited for that. But we have had a lot of great 
advice questions coming in on Instagram and one that came in this past week that somebody asked us to talk about. So I wanted to just read the message and then we can talk about it a little bit. So I don't think Mia's seen this yet. So I'll see what your take is mm-hmm. on it. So a woman reached out and she said, I have a situation. We've seen each other three times. We hooked up and I slept over every time. We got dinner the last time we saw each other, but I felt like I was asking all the questions. He told me that he would be busy for the next week and weekend, dot, dot, dot. Okay, but also during this time, he never really texted me first and he would only respond a few times when I would message him and then he would stop. He also mentioned even before we met that he doesn't like being attached to his phone. I messaged him asking if he's seeing other people. He said, no, he doesn't have time. I asked if he wanted to. He said, I don't know. It's not even an option to think about right now. At the same time, I know he's been active on Hinge with the Active Now, Active Today feature. And he said he was spending his Saturday with friends at a barbecue. So is he really that busy? Am I overthinking? He's 34 and I can verify that he currently has a lot going on, but nobody has so much going on that you can't text someone. I don't expect to be a priority right now, but I don't expect to not be contacted for several days. He was the first one to text, I miss you. And he he said he missed me too. And I told him he missed him earlier in the week. But maybe saying that doesn't mean as much to him as it does to me. Perhaps something to discuss on your Hmm. podcast. So I... A lot there. Yeah. So there's a lot there. And I feel like just the TLDR of it is that she feels like she's putting in more work than this person. They have, it seems like, been on three dates. They hooked up and she slept over every time. And she's not happy with the amount of communication that she's getting between dates. So I think she was pretty much asking, is this like normal? Is this, should I be unhappy with it? Or should I kind of like continue on? Like that was sort of the, the... gist of it that I got. And I asked her because I didn't see the message for a little while and asked her if there were any (laughs) updates since then. And she basically said that she had not seen him since then, but that they were probably going to make plans the following week and that they actually had had the conversation. This is what the part that I want to talk about because she said they actually had a conversation that they were physically exclusive. So now she feels uncomfortable pursuing other people if she doesn't have the option to like to really pursue other people. So she wasn't sure if she should tell him that she no longer wants to be physical, physically exclusive or if she should continue on. And so that part of it was like definitely a, a twist. <laughs> and it makes sense because if you hook up with somebody, then maybe you would have that conversation that you're not going to hook up with other people. And that, right. and like, it kind of reminded me of this episode because we talked about the exclusivity conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I think that If you are hooking up on early dates, which is totally fine if you want to, if you want to do that, again, we don't like give any rules, but it does make things like a little bit dicey because I feel like then you might feel like you're exclusive, but you're really not like you're, you have the talk that you're not going to hook up with other people, but it makes it a little confusing with like, what's the emotional aspect of it. Right. I, I don't really believe in exclusivity. I just don't really understand what that step is. I think if you're going to see only one person, then you're seeing only one person and then you're in a relationship. But I think all of these things, I, one, I totally agree. No one is too busy. They will make time for you if they want to see you. And if I were her, I would probably pull back a little let him make the next plan. And when in person, I would bring up the conversation of if this is how she feels that physically exclusive great happy to hear that aligned but i am looking these is this is what i'm looking for in a relationship and 
I like you. I'm enjoying spending time with you and try to gauge that of what he's looking for. And then kind of just be more upfront with what my boundaries are like, or what I want out of a relationship, like gauge, like when are we going to see each other next? And mention that I like conversation in between dates. Yeah. So that's exactly what I would say too, in terms of mentioning that what you like, because like, this has been a theme that's come up a lot lately. Like somebody asked the question of like, should they be mad at their partners and offering to help when they're sick? And like, should they be mad if they haven't heard from this person in this many hours, or if it takes this long to respond to a text? And like, first of all, me and I don't like, we always tell each, we've told each other this since we like first became friends. I feel like don't ask, like, should I be mad? If you're mad, you're mad. Or should I be Mm -hmm. bothered? Like if you're bothered, you're bothered. Like it does not matter if somebody else thinks that you should be like, your feelings are always valid. So if you are, you just need to figure out where that feeling is coming from and what to do about it. So if you are annoyed that somebody is not offering to help when you're sick, maybe you need to tell them what you like somebody to do when you're sick. And one Mm -hmm. follower replied to that story and kind of gave her own experience of like her boyfriend, she said, has just always been like that. Like he didn't grow up in a house where everybody was like doting on you when you were sick, but she did. So she was so surprised the first time she got sick and he like wasn't doing everything for her that she had to tell him like, listen, when I'm sick, you should be doing this. And sometimes you have to like, she used this word like, teach them like you have to teach somebody what you want and then they can give it to you you can't just expect that people will give you everything you want so in this situation of this one girl who reached out about this like it is frustrating and annoying and I feel like he is being busier than he actually is like he's playing it up and so that's annoying and I know you feel like you shouldn't have to tell someone how much to text you but if it's that early on three dates in I don't think it could hurt to be like oh I like like this level of communication in between dates like I know you said you're not a big texter, but is that something that you would be willing to do? Like just something simple and easy like that. Yes. When we had Shan on the podcast a couple weeks ago, we were also talking about how you wouldn't just expect that someone knows absolutely everything about you and like is a mind reader and knows what you're anticipating. Like you have to communicate your needs and everyone is different. And what you said about the sick thing and how she grew up in a family that like doted on you when you were sick. Dan and I like... If you listened a few weeks ago, you know that we are in couples therapy and we've been going weekly. And she, our therapist, is so into breaking down our family dynamics to like understand how we relate to each other and what we expect of the other. And so much of that is true. And like, obviously, you're not like understanding so much of this in an early dating, but it's very much just understanding that people operate differently. They have different expectations of what roles they should be playing. And a lot of it is how you grew up or previous relationships. So it's so much like everything we say just comes back down to communicating and telling people what a relationship means to you, what needs you have. And I feel like there's might be like a negative stigma of like saying what you want and asking someone to do something for you, but it's just being confident in what you need and setting this boundaries to have a healthy relationship that's going to make you happy. Yeah, I totally agree. And by the way, this person who reached out about this, like basically said that. So she knew that. And that kind of was like another point that I wanted to talk about, because I feel like sometimes you really do just have to like type out or speak out your problem. And then you like know exactly what to do. Cause she was basically like, so now next time I see him, I'm going to say X, Y, Z, like, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. If you can't give it. So like she knew she just kind of needed to like say it for herself in order to be able to like really work through it, which I loved, but it also did like, of course, remind me of what we 
we're talking about with rules and things like that, because I do think that exclusivity and like hooking up with somebody before you really know how the other person feels or, you know, like their communication style or things like that is, again, totally fine. But it reminds me of like, Mia's post this past week and things we talked about in this episode that like sometimes that rule is a good boundary for you versus like you're not not sleeping with them because you want them to like Mm -hmm. you more. You're not hooking up with them because you feel like you don't want to get attached or you want to know what this where the situation is going before you do it. That to me is like where a dating quote rule might be beneficial. Mm -hmm. And I think Also, when we're talking about dating rules, if she's, if someone is in an early stage of dating, like, I feel like the rules just put everything on, if in a heterosexual relationship, the rules just put so much of the leading and communicating on the guy. And I feel like these rules of acting like a little more passive and waiting to be pursued kind of steer you in the direction of like, don't speak up for things that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hate that. But I loved that question because we love to ask us anything that we do every Thursday. We love the questions we get there. But sometimes like if you have a really specific advice question, it's like hard to fit it in that little box. So if you ever want to, you can always send us a DM and we'll always it's like really easy for us to talk it through on the podcast versus having like lengthy DM conversations. So mm-hmm. feel free to send us a message. We love that. But I hope that you guys love the episode. If you don't already follow Alana, she puts out so much great content. So go follow her on Instagram on her personal account and on her podcast account seeing other people and we'll put all of that in the show notes yes thanks for listening you'll love alana and this conversation welcome back we are so excited for our guest today we are joined by the host of seeing other people podcast with the mission of helping you feel less alone in your dating life she is also a returning guest to mostly balanced so welcome back to the show alana dunn thank you i am so excited to be here and i feel like last time we recorded it was march of 2021 And my life has changed so much since then. So this is great. I'm so excited to be back. Oh my God. I know. I feel like it really has. I can't wait to hear about it because last time it was like you and Jonah, you were doing the podcast together and now you've been doing your own thing for like, it seems like forever. So tell us more about what's changed since you were last year. Yeah, I feel the same way. So in terms of the podcast, what's changed since I was last on the show was I, yeah, so Jonah was my co-host at the time. He and I had hosted a podcast for Hinge called Dating Sucks. And then we started seeing other people together, launched that in January of 2021. And then about maybe around June, he ended up leaving the show because some other stuff he was working on was really taking off. And I was like terrified. I had never done an episode on my own. I was like, oh my God, like, what do I do? Do I get another host? And then I was like, no, like I can do this. So I ended up booking like five recordings for in one week just to like go all in, not have time to think about it to second guess. Like I just had to get it done. And at the end of the week, I was like, I love this. Like this is, this is perfect. <laughs> you dove right in. So that's kind of what's changed in terms of seeing other people. I also launched a new series within the show called Unfiltered, where I bring on my listeners who come on anonymously to share what they've been through in dating and you know how it's impacted them. So that's been really exciting and and really, really awesome. And my dating life has definitely changed dramatically. <laughs> Last time I was with you guys, I guess March of 2021 was when my boyfriend Jake and I actually became like exclusive. So 
we had started going out in the beginning of February 2021. And now he's moving in. Oh my God. In a few weeks. So Congrats. a lot has happened. <laughs> he's moving into your place. Yes. That's so exciting. I didn't know at the time that you were dating him and like you didn't, I guess it was like early, you were just becoming exclusive. So why tell the world on Mostly Balanced Podcast? (laughs) Well, we also probably, we probably recorded in February, like when he and I had gone on like one date, you know? Yeah, because I feel like when you came on, it was still like, wait, are her and Jonah going to (laughs) date? Yeah, we we played a lot while we could. (laughs) Yeah, that gets the listeners for sure. That question mark. (laughs) I love that. I was even thinking so much about your dating life as we were, were as I was coming up with the question. (laughs) I was like thinking about, because I feel like last time we talked so much about situationships, so much about what our exes would say if we asked them about us to describe us in the time that they were in a relationship with us. And I just, I think from my perspective, you were just in such a different time of your life. And now having over a year of a relationship, you're moving in together, you're taking a lot of these big milestones together. You're the perfect person to kind of tell that story of from going from modern dating on the apps, dealing with all the shit we deal with to a really successful, secure, happy relationship. So that's what we're dying to talk about today. Yeah, I can definitely talk about all the ups and downs, 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 and ups and downs that I experience. (laughs) And I think that's something that I always try and remind myself of. Even now, you know, I have so many single friends, and obviously the majority of my listeners are single. And, you know, sometimes it's really easy to look at the people who are in our lives and the people we follow on social media and be like, oh, well, they're in a relationship and everything's perfect. And they have the type of relationship that I want. And like, why them? Why not me? Why can't I find love? And I really never want people to look at me and feel that way because so much of my journey and my experience was dating anxiety and was getting my heart broken and was being lied to and misled and and you know not having open communication about intentions and and everything else like ghosting having horrible experiences on dating apps literally everything else that everyone had been through and to be completely honest I think I went through more than the average person. So I really want people to, you know, always remember that no matter what they're seeing on social media and and what it looks like from the outside, like people have all been through a lot of things that have shaped them and gotten them to where they are now. And so the grass is always greener, you know? Yeah, it's so true. Did you feel like that? I know you said you had a lot of dating anxiety, but did you feel like, why not me? And why are these people like having these perfect relationships? All the time. I would look at, you know, friends, family, influencers, podcasters, and be like, I don't understand, like they can find love, but I can't like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not deserving of this? Like, I'm trying so hard. I'm putting myself out there consistently. Like, you know, I want to put my guards up and protect my heart after getting hurt, but I want to find love. So I'm continuing to put myself out there and continuing to get my heart broken. And I don't understand why this is happening to me. Like, what did I do to deserve this? And why don't I deserve the type of relationship that I want. Yeah. I also feel, and I don't know if you feel this way too, like now that you're in a relationship, you just said like you see influencers or people on social media and their relationships seem perfect and people feel envious of that. So I, especially in a relationship on our platform, like love to highlight that things are not, it's constant work. Like things are not always perfect. Talking about things like couples therapy, I would love to be like more open about like actual issues we have because I don't ever want that either. My relationship's definitely not perfect and no relationship relationship is. They all take so much work. So that's like 
the type of conversations we just want to have here more often to make people feel less alone in their dating life and less alone in their relationships when they also constantly are seeing happy, positive social media highlight reels of other people's relationships. Yeah. Do you guys follow Couples Confessional? I do now because of you. (laughs) Okay. So for anyone listening who doesn't follow Couples Confessional, I think it is like one of the coolest communities and Instagram accounts. Um, And it's run by this woman who stays anonymous and all of the posts are like anonymous quote unquote confessions that followers submit. And it could be about their dating life or a lot of times it's about their relationships and you know, what is really going on behind the scenes, what they're really feeling, what they're really struggling with. And I think it's something that everybody, especially people who are like single and struggling and and like so desperately want to be in a relationship. I think it's so important to follow this account and have stuff like this pop up in your feed because it's what's real. It's not, the bullshit, like smiling, posing, happy pictures that people are posting on Instagram of like hashtag relationship goals. It's like, no, like relationships are hard. Life is really hard. Dating is really hard. And here's what people are actually going through. Yeah. I love that. I have to check it out. I haven't seen it, but I feel like I did see you post about it. And I think that it's, it is so important for when you're in a relationship too, like Mia said, because obviously when you're single and you really want to meet someone, seeing everybody in seemingly happy relationships is really tough, but also then you get it in your head that you'll meet someone and then like, that's it. And you met them and like, you check that off and now you're in this relationship, but there's so much more after that. So you said you guys became official in March, 2021. What was the rest of your dating life like at that point? Like, were you going on first dates with other people still? Or did you go all in with him after you went on that first date with him? Or what was like the early, early phase like? Yeah, great question. And I love to tell this story because I really think it kind of says a lot of things and has a lot of takeaways. But it was deep in the pandemic when we first met, like vaccines were not out or, you know, our parents or people over the age of 65 were just starting to be able to make appointments. So when we first matched on, we matched on Hinge on January 8th. Yes, I have screenshots and go back and see that. So I know the dates. <laughs> um, we talked for a bit. Actually, what first happened was he messaged me and I didn't answer. And then a week later, he followed up and messaged me again. Guys, everybody feel free to do that. You have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I responded and we got into a conversation, ended up texting and he asked me out on a date. And I was like, this is going to sound fake, but I actually can't see you for six weeks because my roommates and I are going back and forth to see our parents. And we agreed that we're not going to see anyone else until we're not doing that. So at the time, I was definitely talking to a lot of different people. I had been, you know, doing the COVID dating thing, the outdoor dinners in the freezing cold, the going to someone's apartment, even though I've never met them before, but I would only do that if I had like a mutual friend. So I knew I wasn't going to get murdered. But I ended up following up six weeks later, I was like, all right, I'm here, I can I can go on a date now. And I had actually gone on a either first or second date at that point with this other guy who we had matched, I think in like December and had been talking for a while. So I definitely like prioritized like meeting him first and let's call him Brad. And I was obsessed with Brad. (laughs) Obsessed. Why? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I was obsessed with Brad. We had a great first date. Like it was a really fun, like first date. We Got, it seemed to get along really well. He seemed to be like the ideal like type of guy for me. And, you know, we had like great texting banter and then it did translate to in-person stuff, but I was obsessed with Brad. And so when I went out with Jake, I, you know, our first date, it was 20 degrees. We sat outside at Quality Eats. The whole time we talked about how cold we were. You know, I remember kind of pulling up <laughs> and being like, oh, this guy's cuter than I thought he would be. And, you know, like I 
I wasn't really worried about what I was going to say next. But at the same time, like there were no sparks. There wasn't like, uh, oh my God, I need to see this guy again. We didn't kiss. Like we had the awkward like half goodbye hug while my Uber pulled up. But the date was fine. But what happened was I was so panicked and anxious about Brad. And that is why I was obsessed with him because I didn't know when I was going to see him next. He didn't immediately make another plan to see me after our dates. He, like I was left wondering, oh, like, did he have a good time? Like, is he going to ask me out on another date? Like, should I text him? Should I wait for him to text me? And so that's why I was obsessed with him. I wasn't even obsessed with like actually him. It was more the idea of him and needing him to want me. And what happened with Jake was he texted me right after the date something about like getting like we got home and we were warm and he was like, I had a great time and I'd love to see you again. Like, cool. So we made a plan for the following week and great. I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to be anxious. I knew I was going to see Jake again. So that whole week I'm panicking about Brad (laughs) and I go on a second date with Jake. And then I, I think I ended up going on a third date with Brad during that week. And then I went on a second date with Jake and the date was better but again, still like no, no sparks, but like we were inside. So we were warm. We got to really like get to know each other more and, and connect on certain things. But he texted me right after saying, I know you're going home for a week and then going to Florida to visit your family for two weeks, but I'd love to talk to you while you're gone and see you when you're back. And I was like, wow, I can totally I do that. that. Right. We love Jake. Right. <laughs> so it was so interesting for me to see the contrast of freaking out over this guy, Brad, who was not communicating clearly, was not telling me that he wanted to see me again versus Jake, who was being so communicative, so upfront. And because of that, I felt calm and I felt confident. And he didn't even give me a second of room to be anxious. And it was interesting because I remember talking to Jonah about the two guys. And he said to me, like, Alana, do you even like Brad? And I was like, well, why does it matter if I like him if he doesn't like me? And he's like, but do you like him? And I'm like, well, I don't know if he likes me. That's what matters. He's Mm -hmm. like, Alana, you can't even admit if you like him or not. You clearly don't like him. You just want him to like you. And I was like, oh my God. Whoa. I love this story so much because we talk so much about everything you just said in that like first date, a spark isn't important. Like if there isn't a spark, go on that second date because the spark can actually mean something negative. And like, are you really excited about this person or are you anxious? Are those like butterflies in your stomach anxiety because they have some sort of hold over you and you're getting the lines blurred of liking someone versus just enjoying the chase. So that's like the most tangible, perfect example for everything that we like to say about the first dating experience. But did you at that time, I'm sure like now you seem to be in a very secure relationship. But at the time when you were in the dating stage, did you identify with an anxious attachment? And was that kind of oh, the theme yeah. of like all your dating experiences? I, you know how like people's like TikTok bios would be like CEO of blah, blah, blah. I was like CEO of anxious attachment. But it's like because you were dating avoidant people because it's so interesting because then you see the way that you reacted when then it was the contrast, like you said, between Brad and Jake. <laughs> And Jake seemingly very secure and just like kind of going through the motions as he wanted to, instead of like thinking about everything or causing you to overthink. So then that allowed like the secure side of you to come out. Yep. And, and guess what? I, I know where it came from. You know, I 
had never had any issues in my dating life until I was in this one relationship that ended up being really toxic. There was a lot of, there was lying, cheating, manipulation, gaslighting, the whole, the whole menu of things, you know, (laughs) and it really broke me. And after that, I so badly wanted to prove to myself that, you know, I could find somebody who would want to be with me. But at the same time, I kept going after people who wouldn't want to be with me to which kind of replicated that situation because that's what I learned. That's what I knew. And that's what was familiar to me. And so, you know, I would go after people who would tell me like, yeah, like I like you a lot, but I'm not looking for something serious. And I'd be like, okay, like, that's fine. I'm fine with that. And it might like, I obviously was not fine with that, but I was like, no, like I'll convince you to like me, even though I knew that was never going to happen. I knew they were never going to change their mind. They weren't going to suddenly one day be like, oh yeah, I want you to be my girlfriend. And so I kept getting myself into these situations where I was basically dating the same guy over and over just in a different body. And they would say the same things to me. And I would continue to put myself in that horrible situation where I was going to get hurt. But it's what I was used to. And so that is really kind of what caused it. Because before that one like traumatic experience, yes, I like struggled in my dating life, but not more than the average person, you know? I like wanted to find someone and, you know, I met some people, got ghosted, like ghosted some people and you just had normal ups and downs. But once this situation happened, it was like downhill, downhill, downhill from there. Mm -hmm. That resonates with me too. And I feel like in my, like, I know attachment style, it's typically like behavior that becomes part of you at a very young age. But for me, my attachment style has totally been shaped and formed by relationships that I'm in. And like, unfortunately, For me, I was in an eight-year relationship that started when I was 18 years old that I went into so confident, like never worried about cheating, never worried about having to trust someone. And then putting myself in this situation for eight years, like came out the most anxious person ever and immediately thought the worst of people, immediately went to not trusting someone. And when I got into the relationship now with my now fiance, like he was always very secure, like upfront, like told me what he was feeling and was pretty honest and open and communicative in the beginning and gave me no reason not to trust him. But it took me a really long time to like break those bad habits. And I had to like train myself to be like, no, this person is trustworthy and this person loves you. This person's choosing to be with you. Get rid of all these anxious thoughts. So I'm wondering, like curious if you had a similar experience or if it was just like immediately when you were faced with someone secure, you felt secure? No, definitely not. I mean, for a long time, probably for like six months, at least I was just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, everything is going too well. Like, when is he going to tell me he like actually doesn't want something serious? Or, you know, when is he going to tell me that like, I'm not his, I'm not actually his girlfriend or, oh my God, at one point something happened where he sent me a screenshot of a conversation and it was about this girl that the person sending this message had gone on a date with. And the way it sent to me, it looked like he had written this text and had hooked up with this other girl. And I flipped out. I was like, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. Like my heart sunk. I was so confused. I was like, this is the most blindsiding thing of all time. But like, of course this would happen to me. And I called him and he declined the call. And I'm like, oh my God, this like, what is happening? I thought he accidentally sent me a screenshot. Yeah. What happened was 
his friend was telling him about a date with this girl and sent him a screenshot of what he said to someone else. And then Jake sent me that to update me on the situation. And it was just so out of context. And I was like, I'm like, how could, what? How many months in was that? Like <laughs> three months in, four months in maybe. Oh my God. That would have been but, Yeah, it was so scary. But yes, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop for a very long time. And mm. it took a while to kind of snap out of that. But what kept me feeling confident other than that little scenario was from the start, it was open communication about what we were looking for and, and that we hadn't found it yet and what we wanted and like who we were and how we both felt ready for it now versus maybe in the past. And, you know, I mentioned that like he was really upfront about wanting to see me again, like after the first two dates, like that continued, that literally never stopped. And after that, like we either always had a plan when we left the date or like we would pick up texting right after and then like make a plan and it'd be this activity that we talked about on the date. And there was never like, all this talk about the things we were going to do, but then not the follow through. I know that's something that I've struggled with and a lot of people struggle with where it's like, oh, like he said he wants to go to a Yankee game on the date. So like he definitely is like looking to, you know, see me again. And then they get that anti-ghosting text. And it's like, wait a second, like then why would he talk about this thing on the date? So there was none of that. And then it was actually after, it was on our sixth date, he brought up being exclusive. And I was not expecting that. Like that in my mind was a little early for me. Wait, have you like felt the sparks at this point? Like you feel the chemistry now? It was our third, our third date was okay. when I started to like him. <laughs> it was the day after I got my, <laughs> my first COVID vaccine. And, and, and keep in mind the third date was like a month into us talking. Cause I did go away for mm-hmm. a little while, but I had gotten my COVID vaccine. I felt so sick. I couldn't move my arm. I was dying, but I was like, Nope, I'm going on this date. And we ended up like getting brunch and then walking around for a while, stopped at like a bar that we both used to go to and lived by. And then I, he was like putting my jacket on for me, like cutting my food for me. Cause I literally was like unwell. Um, <laughs> and at the end I was like, I mean, I'm just going to go home and watch one tree hill for like four hours. If you want to come do that with me, like you're more than welcome to. And he did. And we sat on the couch and watched One Tree Hill for four hours. And what a dream date. Right? It was so comfortable. It was so easy. And I was like, wow, like this is somebody that I can have a really great time with, even on a day where I don't feel good, and then come home and sit on the couch. Like I instantly changed into like sweatpants and a sweatshirt, like wasn't self-conscious about that. And I was like, okay, this is somebody I feel really good with. It's, it's such a, a PSA to go on the third date. Like we always say go on the second date, but just like, it's not like you didn't like him. It's just that you like weren't so fully like head over heels, fireworks type thing. People just get in their head what they think the first date should feel like. And then the second date and everything like that. But I also, you're in such a unique situation because like you obviously have a podcast where you talk about dating all the time. So was that something that he ever didn't feel comfortable with? Or was that something you had to talk about early on about like whether you would talk about your relationship with him? So it was really interesting because, you know, we talked about it on the first date. He didn't really know about it going into the first date. And then we talked about it on the first date. And then the next week happened and the new episode came out and he listened and he told me about it. And then he just started listening every single week. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. He actually like, cares and is asking questions about like who I'm recording with and what episode is coming out and how it all works. And it was really cool to see him care about, you know, what I was doing. But <laughs> I, I didn't talk about him for a while. I was definitely nervous too. And it actually got to a point where he was like, so are you going to talk about me on the podcast? And I was like, oh, so you're okay with that. Okay, cool. I totally will. 
That's so funny. I feel like he's just so secure. Like there's the sign of a secure person. Yes. Well, didn't he also, I've heard you say on your podcast that he listened to Jared Freed. Yes. And so we literally <laughs> think like, I, I really credit Jared for like training Jake to be a like great, secure, communicative guy because like Jake loves like the J Train podcast has listened to some of you up and like really learned like everything he knows about dating from Jared. And I said this to Jared and Jared's like, do not give me that type of credit. I'm like, no, but like that I'm really giving credit where credit is due. So because of that, Jake was also super comfortable talking about dating and relationship things with me, which obviously is important because that's what I do for a living. But that's what led us to really understand what the other wanted and to have these important conversations about, you know, where we wanted to be in in a year and two years and five years and to talk about becoming exclusive, to talk about being boyfriend, girlfriend, meeting the family, meeting the friends and what that all meant to us. So I do think, you know, like people put such a stigma around talking about dating on dates and I think it's the way you can learn the most about somebody. Mm-hmm. First of all, there needs to be more content out there for men to listen to dating-related podcasts. So I, I too applaud you, Jared Freed. And I, I want to hear a little more about how, like, you were about to talk about like defining the relationship. So how did he bring that up, and what were your thoughts at that time? And like, give us a little like runway into like how you got to where you are. Yeah. So he brought it up. We were at the Central Park Zoo. To, to this day, we kind of mark this date. Date six is like one of the best dates we have ever gone on. It's also a great date that anybody can recreate in New York City or whatever area in the world you live in. We started by making waffles and mimosas at his apartment and had them on his roof. So, you know, saw some of his roommates for third time. It was actually a Monday because of both of our jobs. Like we had weird work hours. So it was literally like they were all at home working remotely, but it was cool to kind of just see them in their element and him with them. Did you go over to make waffles or had you stayed over? No, no, no. I went over. This was the plan. Like we were going to start at like 11 a.m. like waffles and mimosas. And then we, I think we we were like drunk at like 1130. <laughs> and I was like, I literally laid down on his couch, like in front of all his roommates. And I was like, I don't know if I can go right now. Like I'm not okay. <laughs> and we ended up walking over to Central Park and going to the Central Park Zoo. And then after we ended up going down to Soho and getting Prince Street pizza and then coming back to my apartment to watch more One Tree Hill. But we're at the Central Park Zoo looking at the seals or sea lions, whatever they were. And he brought up that he was just like having a really great time and, and you know, like isn't interested in going out with anyone else and wanted to know like how I felt about that. And I, I did not expect him to say that, but I was really glad that he did. And, you know, at that point, like, did I think he was my person of all people? Like, not necessarily, but I was like, yeah, like me too. And you know, I really want to see this through and, and see where this can go. And I'm not interested in going out with anyone else either. And then I was like, did we just become exclusive? And so that I think really allowed me to fall for him and to let myself not be afraid and to know that, you know, he wanted to be with me. Because I think in the past with the situationships I would get myself in, there was never that communication about intentions. There was never them bringing it up. If anything, I would have to bring it up after so long of waiting for them to bring it up. And so him bringing it up, especially earlier than I expected, was the most comforting thing in the world to me where it was like, okay, he actually really wants to be with me. And then fast forward about a month and every single day, I'm like, when is this kid going to ask me to be his girlfriend? 
And it was driving me crazy. Every single time we would hang out, I'm like, he didn't, he didn't bring it up. He didn't bring it up. I'd go on to my roommate and be like, Jesse, like he still didn't bring it up. I don't understand. He asked me to be exclusive so early. And now like, I feel like we've made like big strides since then. <laughs> so I finally, one day I like turned to him and I was just like, are you going to ask me to be your girlfriend already or what? And he was like, oh, I thought you were my girlfriend. When you said he asked you to be exclusive, I was about to ask like, so did that mean he was your boyfriend or is that like a separate thing? I guess he thought so, but you didn't. <laughs> exactly. And that like just goes to show we all have our own different definitions of things and you have to be clear or like ask questions to clarify what yes. your situation is. Yeah. Because I didn't know I was his girlfriend for a month. <laughs> That's so funny. But I also don't think I understand the difference between being exclusive and like being boyfriend, girlfriend. To some people, I feel like it's like a just another step. Yeah. I didn't understand it until I went through this with him and, and had that conversation about exclusivity where it made me feel more comfortable right. going all in and letting myself like fall for him. Yeah. Because in the past, I was, I was always like, I don't get it. Like if you're exclusive, you're in a relationship. If you're in a relationship, you're exclusive. But I think this was an experience that kind of did show me the difference. Yeah. We typically, Mia and I, I won't speak for her, but I kind of will because we usually don't really like most dating rules. We love giving advice and we love talking about like the specific things that like for us, I feel like you have kind of like a similar mindset just from listening to your podcast and seeing the content you put out on Instagram and TikTok and everything. But I am curious about things like that. Like, would you recommend that in a heterosexual relationship, the girl waits for the guy to bring it up? Or do you think that anybody could bring it up? And also like some of the other things that you mentioned, like that Central Park date, which was like all day and all afternoon and everything. Like, do you recommend not going on long dates in the beginning? Like, is that because it was date six? Like, what are your thoughts on dating rules overall? No. <laughs> okay, good. My thoughts overall <laughs> are no. Look, we are all different. We have all had different experiences that have shaped us, that have made us have the anxieties that we have, that have made us trust people or not trust people, that have made us trust ourselves or not trust ourselves. And so it is literally impossible that one set of rules can work for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's not how life works. There's no other part of our lives that's like that other than the laws that we have to follow as citizens of whatever country we live in. And a lot of those we break anyway, because they don't work for us. <laughs> so I really think that you have to do what feels right for you and what you know works for you. And this is something I ran into all the time with my friends. Like, obviously, like everybody loves to write in their group chats and ask their friends for dating advice and give the post date rundown and say, Oh, should I text them? Should I wait for them to text me? And I noticed very early on in my dating life that I disagreed with what my friends would tell me to do. And they would tell me to not send a certain text or to not say something on a date. And in my mind, I was like, I need to, like, I know that I need to. And if I don't, I'm not being my true self and I'm holding back and I'm going to drive myself crazy if I don't say that thing or if I don't ask to see them again, because I don't want to wait a whole week wondering if they're going to ask me to see me. And why can't I just ask and find out now and no. And my friends would like, get frustrated with me because, you know, I'd kind of ask for advice, use them as a sounding board and then do the opposite of what they said. <laughs> but guess what? They didn't go through a yeah. horribly toxic situation where they were somebody's secret girlfriend for eight months and then found out they were being cheated on the whole time. So what works for them is not going to work for me. And that mm -hmm. is what I have to say about dating rules. Uh -huh. So back to the initial question, 
if you want to go on only one hour dates for your first date, second date, fine. Yeah. Like that's your boundary. Yeah. If you Mm -hmm. end up on a date and you know, the date's going great and you want to continue getting to know them, you don't have to leave them, you know, like wanting more, you can continue to explore the connection. And if they like what they see and like what's there and feel that connection too, then they'll want to see you again. And if you want to bring up being exclusive and they feel the same way, then say like, then you'll be exclusive. If you were to bring up being exclusive and they weren't ready or they don't feel the same way or don't want it to get there, their answer is not going to change just because you ask the question. The only thing that's going to change is you now know where they stand or what their intentions are. And so I always think like, even if the worst case scenario is you finding out that they don't want to be in a relationship with you, then at least you now know and you don't have to be strung along. You don't have to spend another three, four, five weeks or dates like waiting to find that out. And you're saving yourself more heartache from once you would get deeper into the situation. And now you can start processing and moving on and moving towards finding somebody who does want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we both fully agree with everything that you just said. I, I think even Jonah said this in our last episode. It's like the dating rules are for you. and he made like an example of like, if you're like a film director, you like follow all of these rules to like keep you you in check. I don't know. It was just like a very good analogy. (laughs) And I think that is true. Like your, whatever your rules, like whatever you do, that's not really going to, that's not going to change what the other person thinks of you. But if those rules are going to help you feel better that you don't spend more than two hours on a date, because maybe you'll feel too attached. Or if you don't want to have sex after until date number five, because that will cloud your mind or you'll again, get too attached or something like it's setting up like rules for you. So like by all means, like make your own set of like blueprints or like make your own set of boundaries, which is honestly a better word, Carly, for like dating rules, because they're not changing what the other person thinks of you. They're not like this set of rules to follow to like follow these steps, like get him to like you. I would never subscribe to like that mentality. And I hate that people do Yeah, because I agree. Like, Everyone is so different. And in my experience, like if you like someone, you're getting to know the real person by acting like your true authentic self and like showing up the way you actually are and saying the things you actually want to say instead of like morphing into like a different version that you think they're going to like better. And like you're just getting to know each other and no rule is going to like change how someone feels about you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually recently recorded with Jared and Jordana Abraham, who host you up. And I loved a point that Jordana made. She, so she's now married. And she said that when like years back when she was dating, like she did kind of subscribe to the dating rules and follow them. And now in hindsight, she has realized that the dating rules are just a way to manipulate somebody into liking you. But they're not actually liking you. They're liking this different version of you. And at some point, you know, they're going to realize that that's not you. And I thought that was really, a really interesting way to say that and explain that. And I, I totally agree. You know, you could follow every dating rule in the book and come off as the most chill girl on the planet. But guess what? If you're freaking the fuck out behind the scenes, like that, A, feels terrible. And B, eventually you're not going to be able to hold on to these dating rules, especially as you get deeper into it. And, you know, they're being like more honest with you about who they are. And eventually like the 
the cloak is going to come off or, or whatever that phrase is. And, and they're going to see the real you. And they're going to be like, wait, like I didn't realize Alana was this anxious ball of anxiety. And I literally had just what would have just manipulated this person into wanting to be with me. And they didn't even get to know me. Isn't it funny that the dating rules like stop when you're in a relationship, like give them an ultimatum to propose to you, like go crazy, be like this. Like as soon as you're got the good person, like then be your true self and like go nuts. But before it's like all this game. I don't know. It's I've never like thought about the, there are no real rules like that when you get in the relationship. Yeah, it's just all out the window. And I see these like I followed the rules and now he, he asked me to be official and I'm like, how about like I was myself and now we're together? Like, I feel like that's just like, imagine if like you were dating someone and you saw that they said that I'd be like, who have I been dating this whole time? Just like this rule book. I know it, it really blows my mind how many people think that it's a good idea. And I've talked to a lot of guys about this and they're like, no, we don't want girls to follow the dating rules because we want to get to know them and we want to know who we're dating. And we don't want to just be dating somebody who's going through a checklist and being somebody that they're not because that's not real. And that's not how you build a real strong, like trusting foundation with somebody. Yeah. The relationship that you were in that you mentioned was toxic and had cheating and lying and everything like that. And you said it was like a secret relationship. How did that impact the rest of your life? Like the friendships that you have and and everything like that? I'm really glad you asked that because it really did impact every single aspect of my life. My friends in the beginning were like, Alana, this is the happiest we've ever seen you. And I think it was maybe like four months later where they were like, Alana, this is the saddest we've ever seen you. And, you know, they were really trying to be supportive and letting me know they don't like how he treats me and they don't think I'm doing okay. And they're here if I want to talk. And I know that that's really hard to do. It's so difficult to see your friend going through a difficult time or dating somebody who's not treating them well. And you don't know if you should tell them because you, you want, you don't want them to get upset with you. You want them to know you're on their side, but of course they're going to defend the guy that they're dating because, you know, you have these rose colored glasses on and, so I really applaud my friends for being there for me in the way they were because they did try and come to me. They did try and let me know what they were seeing. But at the same time, I was like, no, you guys don't know how it is when it's just us together. Like, you don't know like what he says to me and and how he treats me. And like, you're only seeing one side of it. And I just would jump to his defense because I wanted it to work. And I didn't want to hear what they had to say. And I did completely push all of them away. And I'm very fortunate and very lucky that they stayed around. And when shit did hit the fan and when it ended and I was feeling like I was at rock fucking bottom, like they were there for me. And at that point I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I was experiencing depression for the first time in my life. I was experiencing like debilitating anxiety for the first time in my life. And so it did take a while for me to even let them in and let them be there for me, but they were patient with me and they waited and they allowed me to, you know, go through each step of the healing process on my own timeline. And so that was really like, uh, I was really lucky um, because I've seen that happen to other people where, you know, the friends aren't patient. They, they don't stick around or they get in really big fights because of it, because someone's so defensive and, you know, they're, they really hate the person or whatever it is. And so I feel really fortunate that my friends were, you know, willing to wait for me. Yeah. I think that, like you said, you kind of have to get there on your own, but it's, 
if your friends see something like that, I feel it is so normal and common to interject and give advice and just say things like that. Like, Alana, you, you used to be so happy and now clearly this relationship's upsetting you. How this comes up a lot, like people ask this often to us, but how did you tell Jake about that previous relationship? And at what point? Like, how honest were you? And how soon into dating were you talking about like past relationship experiences? So I was in a very unique situation where I talk about my past relationship experiences for a living. So as he started listening to the podcast, you know, he started to learn about these things. And it was that was both a blessing and a curse because you know we were what probably on our like third or fourth date and he heard an episode where Jonah was like if any to any guy trying to date Alana right now like she's not over her ex so just give up and he was <laughs> like uh I'm confused like should I consider this a like blazing red flag maybe <laughs> um so there were some like questionable things that happened in that but in past relationships too like I I really believe that our relationships shape who we are and that, you know, we all have a past and it's okay to talk about those things. And I think it's it's more than okay. It's important to talk about those things because then you learn what did and didn't work for somebody and what they would have needed or wanted in order for, you know, a relationship of that level to work out. And then you can also decide like, oh, like, can I show up for them in the way that they need? Can I be that person that they want me to be? And you know, sometimes the answer might be no, if you open up about something in your life, and they learn whether or not they can be that person that you need, they can be that support system. If they can't, you were going to find that out later anyway. And the same thing with like asking the questions, saying the things you need to say, like, you'd rather get your answers sooner. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really just up to you to know how much these past relationships impact you and how much you need to share, like just how much of it is actually going to have an effect on the relationship. I had a pretty similar situation, probably like worse on my part, because I was in a relationship with somebody for almost three years on and off that had to be completely secret because he had a girlfriend and I was like in a relationship with him that whole time. And I, my friendships were like, severely impacted by this. And some of them like didn't last because of it for similar reasons to what you said, like the things that people would say to me, like, I just wouldn't be able to hear it. And the things that did stick with me the most were like, we have like never seen you this unhappy. Those are the things that really when you make it more about them versus the person that is helpful. But like my twin sister, like if we weren't twins, we wouldn't have made it through because the amount we argued and we never argued, but we would get in like screaming fights about it. And it just like the whole relationship itself knocked me down so much. And the next person I dated after that, I just went into it, like just not even thinking about bringing it up. And that was such a mistake because I was like a complete mess. And this guy had no idea why I was like, so all over the place. Like, so, I mean, I'm like a naturally avoidant person when we talk about attachment styles, but this made me like anxious avoidant. So I was like just the worst person in the world to date and didn't tell him at all. But then the next person after that, like I did tell them a little bit about it. And I saw how much easier that was because they kind of knew where I was coming from with a lot of these things. And now like as time has gone by, and now it's been years since that relationship, I don't feel like I would have to talk about it so much because I'm like past it myself. So it's just all about like how you actually feel and how again, like it impacts your actual day to day life and the relationship that you're in now. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with all of that. And with that, like, there's no specific time or date number where you need to bring it up, you know, and if they share something with you, like, if you want to share something back, if you feel ready to, great. If not, don't force yourself to like do it 
at your own pace and when you really feel ready and when you really feel like it will have a positive impact or the impact that you want. And, and that impact could just be letting them see another side of you. But I do think that, you know, people, like I said before, like there is this stigma around talking about like your exes and talking about dating and stuff. And it's like, yeah, don't sit there on the first date and just talk about your exes or just talk about the other dates you've been on, obviously. But at the same time, you don't have to hide the fact that you've had a past and that you've dated other people because that has brought you to where you are now. I do think don't ask them about theirs though. Let them bring it up and then you can ask questions. But I think you don't say like, so when was your last relationship? Like you wait for those things to come up naturally and share what you want to about yourself. What I would like to do, especially during um, the pandemic, this is something I definitely started in quarantine dating, but I would be like, so like, what, how's your dating life been? Because it was just such a relatable thing that we were all like in this clusterfuck of a pandemic and trying to date and like trying to find ways to date six feet apart or FaceTime date. And so like, I really liked asking that question because it was something that immediately the other person would just laugh. And then we'd like be able to laugh together about how difficult it was. And it would also then like that would give them the space to, if they wanted to actually share, you know, what they were looking for and what hasn't worked out. And so I would learn so much about the person from that. And then, you know, nine out of 10 times, they'd be like, what about you? And that would then give me the space to share it. And so I think it's something like that is a, a low pressure way of asking the question where it's not like, tell me your dating history, but it's like, oh, like, how has your experience been lately? And they could either be like, oh, like, it's been honestly like I've, I've been having fun with it. Like I'm not really looking for anything serious right now. So I'm like just like having a good time. And they could be like, you know, it's been really tough. Like I am putting myself out there, but I'm not really like making the types of connections that I want. And I do really want to find somebody. And so I'm just going to keep trying. Or they might say like, it's been a fucking disaster. Like, let me tell you, like you, you have no idea. And you can just learn so much about somebody from that one question. Yeah. I love that piece of advice because I've just like giving people, whether it is dating on the apps, meeting people in real life, going on first dates, like your intention is to get to know this person and also get a feel for what their intentions are and what they want in a relationship. So it is the type of questions that you are asking, the information you're offering up yourself and then leaving space for them to fill it in. It's not like so formulaic, but it's giving the opportunity to establish and grow those deeper relationships you're hoping to on those early dates. But before we get into rapid fire questions, I would love for you, since we talked about your whirlwind of going from the dating scene into the first or so year of your relationship, what advice do you have for someone in a new relationship in early dating? In early dating, there can be a lot of emotions going around. Like it's so exciting. It's so fun. And you can also be scared. What if it doesn't work out? You know, like I said before, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop and it's either going to work out or it isn't. And the best thing that you can do is enjoy it and be open and honest and vulnerable and let them see who you are and get to know them. And it will work out or it won't. And if it doesn't, it is not the end of the world. I promise. It just means that there's somebody better for you and that some somebody that you are better for. So really just try and enjoy it. I, I feel like it's the most fun part of 
you know, getting to know somebody and, and those early stages, those fun dates, the things that you learn about each other, the jokes you start to have, like meeting the friends for the first time. It, these are all of these experiences that you can never do again. And like, not to say for six months, like your relationship sucks, like not at all. It's, it's amazing in a different way, but the first part is so fun and so exciting. And I think the, the like the more you can just let the process happen and, and learn to, to trust them and to trust yourself in trusting them and just enjoy it. Like the better you'll be. You're making me so nostalgic for that phase of a relationship. I feel like it's just the best. You're just getting to know each other, having fun. And sometimes you do get that gets clouded by how anxious you can get or how like you're worrying about what's going to come next or everything like that. I do feel like we kind of like glossed over you guys moving in together though. So really quickly, can you tell us how that came to be? And also like, are you nervous or what, what are your, obviously you're excited, but what are all the feelings? I'm excited. We live six blocks away from each other right now and he has four roommates. So it kind of feels like he lives here. Like he sleeps over probably like five nights a week. Um, we have a dog together now. So it, it doesn't feel like that much is going to change other than that. I need to like make space in the closet. And that's been really tough, but it's interesting there. There wasn't like one definitive, like, are we going to move in together? Like, when are we going to move in together conversation? I think it just happened. Like when we were talking about, like I needed to find a new apartment, um, last fall. And then it was like, Oh, well he was like, my lease is up in August. And then like either I'd move in there or we'd get a different place together. And it was just very casual, very organic. It wasn't this thing that either of us were like boiling up and like dying to bring up or wondering when the other was going to bring it up and having this huge conversation about, oh, well, are we going to split it down the middle or split it based on our salaries, stuff like that. It was just like, yeah, like we want to move in together after this year of a lease and that feels good for both of us and great. That's so funny. I feel like on my end when this happened, I think I was like, had that pent up, like, when is it going to happen? Like, do I have to bring it up? My lease was coming up and I had all this anxiety. And then when I finally was like, oh, I want to talk about our lease. He was like, oh, well, you'll obviously like, you'll move in here. Right. (laughs) So it was like, he had that experience of it just being like, so like, I know where this is going, but no communication quite. (laughs) Totally. It is. It is interesting. Cause like that, that was like, I had my experience. You had your experience. You know, I have a friend who's been dating her boyfriend for like two and a half years. And I recently asked her like, Oh, are you guys moving in together soon? She's like, I really want to, but he doesn't yet. And so that's been really mm-hmm. tough for her. And that's not what she was expecting to hear. And they're going to be, have been dating for like four years before they moved in together. And that's not what she saw or wanted for herself. And so the situation can really go in a million different directions. But I think at the end of the day, all you can do is just be open and honest about how you're feeling and what you want and why you feel that way. Totally. So we love to close with rapid fire. As you know, this was a fun new one that I have up my sleeve. (laughs) If someone (laughs) were to use the phrase, I pulled an Alana or, oh, she pulled an Alana, like what would that mean? Oh my God. (laughs) In the context of dating or life? Anything. (laughs) I need to ask this on my Instagram and see what people say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should get everybody's responses. Just like went to a pet store and got a dog. That's a good one. (laughs) Before I met Jake, what it would have been was um, coming home from a date and saying I'm in love. Yeah. Go with that. That is classic. Okay, what is... Trying to think of like what we didn't ask you last time. 
my answer that I wonder if they'd be the same or different though. Me too. Um, what is currently your favorite method of self-care? Taking my dog Barkley to the dog park. I love that. That's why I want a dog. It's his happy time. It's my happy time. It's like free therapy. I love it. And I remember the last time I was here, my answer was coloring. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. That's still a good one. A great one. one. (laughs) What is a TV show, book, movie you've been recommending to a lot of people lately? November 9. Oh. What is that? So good. It's a Colleen Hoover book. It is like the Uh, book that made me love reading. It's incredible. Oh my God, you have to read it. It's my favorite book by her. I know everyone loves Verity, but I love November 9. It's so good. It's the first time I ever read a book like in one sitting. I couldn't put it down. Wow. If you like that, you should read. I don't know. Ellen Hildebrand has a book that's like a similar concept. I think it's called This Time Next Year or something along those lines. And it was so good. Like it made me cry. It was amazing. Love it already. (laughs) Okay. What is the best trip you've ever been on? Probably cheesy, but maybe birthright. Oh, I mean, I'm always jealous of people that got to do that. Yeah. It was, it was truly like the coolest thing in the world at the time and in general, but I, I just had such a great experience. I love that. I'm so jealous of birthright. I would want to ask, like, close with advice, but you already gave so much advice to your dating experience. I have a if, life advice one up my, yeah. up my sleeve. Okay. So, Alana, sleeves. if you were to give, like, Alana's piece of advice, what would it be? So this is actually not Alana's piece of advice. It is Barbara Dunn's piece of advice. And it's something that she told me my whole childhood, but I didn't really follow it or start following it until um, high school. And it's, if you don't ask, you don't get. And that one line has really shaped my career, my friendships, my relationships, and, you know, every other aspect of my life. And I think it is something that everybody really should try and take to heart and and practice in their lives. And I could do an, I should do an entire podcast episode of examples of how this has changed my life and, and my path. So stay tuned. You honestly should. And I love that advice. It's so it's like so simple, but it can be applied to anything. And I honestly feel like we could have like a whole other hour talking about your career and all the things that you've done even just this past year since we last spoke to you. So I can see that that advice is definitely impactful. I love it. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes. So I am at Alana.done everywhere on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. And then more importantly, seeing other people is at seeing other people on Instagram. And you can listen to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if anybody wants to be an unfiltered guest, they can slide into your DMs, right? Slide into my DMs or even better, email me um, seeing other people podcast at gmail.com and just share what you would want to talk about, um, what experience you've been through that you think someone else would benefit from hearing, even if it's one person, that's all that matters to me. So I'd love to have you. Thank you so much for being here. We loved having you back. Thank you guys. This is so great. 